This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we begin with The Cisco Kid, a fictional character found in numerous film, radio, television, and comic book series based on the fictional Western character created by O. Henry in his 1907 short story, The Caballero's Way. The Cisco Kid and Pancho are a wonderful pair of rough and ready vagabonds who often are mistaken for outlaws themselves. They're smart enough to use this to their advantage and get in and out of trouble at the drop of a sombrero. They had trusty steeds that any young cowhand could name. For Cisco, it was Diablo, and Pancho rode Loco. And often the pair seemed like a couple of crazy devils themselves. Pancho is one of the best sidekicks in Western old-time radio, as he's always rattling on with a sense of humor that's as wide as his belly. And he's the lover of food, while Cisco is obviously a handsome, dashing hero who has an eye for a shady varmint or the fair lady in distress, that usually thanks him at the end of the episode. The sound effects, which are mainly hoof beats, gunshots, and uggs and oofs, they're perfect. Episodes ended with the one or the other of them making a corny joke about the adventure they've just completed. They'd laugh, saying, Oh, Pancho! Oh, Cisco! Before galloping off while laughing. And now the episode called The Disappearing Bullet. Here's adventure! Here's romance! Here's the famous Robin Hood of the Old West. Cisco, the sheriff, he is getting closer. This way, Pancho, Pomelo, the Cisco Kid. to tonight's exciting story of the Cisco Kid. The town of Rawhide, Arizona, was typical of many that flourished in the 1870s, rough, tough, and wide open. And the center of activities was the Longhorn Saloon, owned by J.B. Trask. That's where our story opens, in one of the private rooms behind the bar where a poker game is in progress. Young Bob Hilton looks across the table at Silk Larson, the gambler, and at Lynch Rogan, right-hand man for J.B. Trask. Then, he pushes another stack of chips into the pot. Call. And raise. I'll see you. That's too steep for me. I'm running. How about you, Silk? I'll string along. Cards, gentlemen. One. Two. And I'll play these. Won't do you no good, Silk. This time I got you. You deserve a pot, Mr. Hilton, but, uh... I don't think this is the one. 300 says it is. Well, I'm convinced. You two go ahead and lock horns. 
I'll see you 300 and raise your 500. 500? That just about claims me. Well, will you take IOU? You said yourself you're broke. How can you pay off if you lose? Well, I still got my ranch. That's worth, anyways, 5,000. There's a house rule against IOUs, Bob. JB won't stand for them. Well, now, uh, um, how much you got in front of you, Sal? About 5,000. All right. Here's a deed to my ranch. I'll put it up against your pile of chips. How's that? How about it, Lynch? You must be pretty sure of yourself, Bob. You betcha I'm sure. That's the last thing I got in the world. It's, it's all or nothing now. If that's the way he wants it, Silk, go ahead. I'll answer for JB. All right. Hey, uh, Mr. Hilton, I'm Colin. What have you got? Four jacks. You lose. What? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I have a straight flush. That's tough luck. Well, well, that that cleans me, I guess. <laughs> Better luck next time, Mister. Won't be no more next time. Uh, guess it's back to punching cows for somebody else now. Everything I worked for for six years gone. Well, fortunes of war, I guess. I always admire to see a good loser, Bob. Well, I'm a good loser, all right. That's the best thing I do. Hmm. Five little cards. Five little pieces of cardboard and they... Wait a minute. There's something wrong? You bet you there's something wrong. These cards is marked. I wouldn't go saying things like that if I was you, Bob. Well, I am saying it, and I'm saying it loud. This deck is crooked. You're a liar. Hold it, Silk. You better take your loss like a man and get out of here, Hilton. You know what's good for you. Oh, that's how J.B. Trask gets his money, huh? Hiring a crooked gambler and a gunman to take care of him. Well, this time it won't work. Give me back a deed to that ranch. You lost that ranch legitimate, Hilton. Now get out of here. I'm taking that deed with me. I'm taking it out of your hide. And Trask, too. Hand over that deed or <laughs> Well, what do you know? He fainted. And all I did was pat him on the head. All right, boys, throw this tin horn out. Well, I'm going to talk to you like you're not. Hey, what's all the excitement? I got something to say to you, Trash. Mr. Trash, don't listen to this crackpot. Well, what is this? You'll find out soon enough, Trask, if you don't know already. Outside, Silk. All right. I said outside. Beat it. I'd like call for you. All right. You're making a big mistake, Mr. Trask. Well, Bob, what is it? What's the beef? Look, Trask, I'm giving you a chance to explain something that I know you can't explain. I just want to make sure. You're talking a lot of words, aren't you? Suppose you get them to make sense. All right. I was framed in a crooked card game. Well, I wasn't. Oh, I know you wasn't playing, but two of your boys was, Silk and Lynch. And they won my ranch. They stole my ranch for you. Only you're giving the deed back to me. You sure are an excitable young fellow, Bob. Excitable? Of course I am. Look at this card. Anybody can see it's marked. Now, how would you feel if you were swindled out of everything you own? Now, look, Trask. I'm giving you one last chance to make it right or You're I'm... giving me a chance. 
Maybe you forget I'm running this place. I ain't forgetting anything. I want that deed back and I want it now. I'll talk to you tomorrow after I see Silk. You talk to me right now. Watch your talk, cowpoke, or you'll go out through that window instead of the door. You ain't big enough, you cheap crooked low down. Now get out. You ask for trouble, you're going to get it. Drop that gun. Don't let go of my arm. Drop it. You're breaking my arm. Give me that. Next time you pull a gun, pick somebody that scares easier than J.B. Trask. Now hit the breeze. I got no time to waste on pikers. <laughs> now, Mr. Trask, you're not going to take that cowwaddy's word against mine, are you? Well, I never heard of Bob Hilton's telling a lie. What do you got to say about this marked card? Really? Maybe he put that deck in the game himself. Maybe he didn't. I run an honest game here, Silk. There's no room in my place for crooks. Oh, now, look, Mr. Trance, you can ask Lynch. He'll tell you. Already sent for him. Hilton says the two of you were in on it together. Oh, sure, he'd say that. <laughs> sure, he would. Don't pay to lie to me, Silk. You wanted to see me, boss? Yes, come in, Lynch. Couldn't it wait until morning? Nope. Bob Hilton was just here. He was pretty hot about losing his ranch in the game with you and Silk tonight. He even pulled a gun on me, and I had to take it away from him. Mm. Well, one shot fired, huh? Yeah. He claimed you and Silk ran in a crooked deck on him. Well, what about it? Lynched. I said, what about it? Suckers are made to be trimmed, ain't they? Now, you done it, huh? Sure. You think it's the first time? You dirty double-crossing rat. I took you off a $30 a month job punching cattle and made you manager of this place. I gave you a chance to be somebody. I'm mighty grateful too, boss. But I figure you've done about all you can for me. From here on out, it's up to me, personal. What do you mean? It's been nice knowing you, Trask. But now it's time to say so long. You think you're gonna get away with it? So long, boss. Senor Bob. Senor Bob. Hey, Roberto. Maybe he's not home, Cisco. Then why would his horse be saddled outside the door? Uh, he is home. Uh-huh. He'd be glad to welcome his old amigos. Hey, Bob, open the door. I'm giving you just ten seconds to get away from that door, and then I'll start to shoot. <laughs> you see, I tell you he is home. See, si. but you sure he's glad to welcome us? Oh, pay no attention. He is only joking. <laughs> For Pancho, the joke got too far. I warned you to get away from her. Senor Bob, this is your old friend Cisco. Put away the gun. Cisco? Well, why the Sam Hill didn't you say so? Why, you old son of a gun. Why didn't you yip sooner? And Poncho, how the heck are you, compadre? Hungry. <laughs> you put down the rifle and we eat, huh? Oh, this gun ain't for you. I thought it was somebody else knocking on the door. Why, it must have been seven or eight years since I seen you two. Come on in. Oh, it's a fine place you have here, amigo. Oh, it's a good place, all right. But whether I got it or not, ain't so sure yet. You not know if it's your own place or not? I lost it in a crooked poker game last night. That's why I got this gun. I am to make it hot for them if they try to take possession. Oh, this is bad, amigo. Hey, a rider is coming now. You think he's the man you speak of? Well, if it is, I can promise him a hot time. Bueno, Cisco and me, we make it hot, too. Well, it ain't Trask, that's for sure. I wonder... Whoever it is, he's wearing a star. You see, when the sun shines on it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the sheriff, all right. I hadn't figured on that. Well, you better put down that shooting iron, Hilton. You won't get no worse by making trouble. So you're in on this, too, are you, Sheriff? I always thought you was an honest man. Never mind the talk. Just put down that gun. I guess I can't fight the law, too. All right. Take my ranch. I hope you're getting a big enough cut for doing this. I ain't interested in your ranch. It's you I want, Hilton. You're under arrest for killing J.B. Trask. Santo, it's a big fiesta they make for Bob, no? A judge, a jury, the whole courtroom. Why they never do all this for us, Cisco? Shh, the trial is about to begin. Like I said, when Silk won that ranch off of him, fair and honest, with a straight flush, Hilton started raising a squawk and claimed he'd been cheated. Everybody knows that J.B. always runs a square game, but Hilton swore he was going to get even. I didn't think nothing of it, and I didn't That night after the place was closed up, I was waiting outside J.B.'s office to settle up with him. When Hilton forced his way past me and inside the office, I could hear him and J.B. talking, and Hilton was making threats. Then there was a shot, and Hilton came out alone. When I went in, there was J.B. Yes, sir. J.B. was laying there in the middle of the floor, stone dead. And beside him was Hilton's gun with one chamber empty. Well, after hearing what Silk Larson had... But I'm telling you, J.B. was trying to take the gun away from me, and it went off. Bullet didn't hit nobody. When I left, he was alive, and he was well. Well, if it wasn't your bullet that killed him, Mr. Hilton, then where is the bullet from your six-shooter? I don't know. Must have hit the wall somewhere. That room has been gone over inch by inch, and there's no bullet hole. You fired that gun all right, Hilton, but you fired it into the body of J.B. Trask. If the bullet had been found, there might be some reason to believe your story. Uh, Robert Hilton, uh, you have been found guilty of murder by a jury of your peers. And it is my painful duty to pronounce sentence on you. Uh, no use wasting time. Jail's crowded anyways. Uh, we'll hold the hanging the first thing tomorrow morning. Even though Bob Hilton is innocent of murder, all the evidence is against him. And with the hanging set for tomorrow morning, there's no time for Cisco and Pancho to find new evidence to save their friend. Cisco and Pancho stopped off to visit their old friend Bob Hilton. They found him in a peck of trouble. Bob had quarreled with J.B. Trask, proprietor of the Longhorn Saloon. And during a struggle for possession of Bob's gun, a shot had been fired. Nobody was hurt, but Trask kept the gun. Then, 
Trask was shot by his right-hand man, Lynch Rogan. And all the evidence, including the gun with one chamber empty, pointed to Bob as the murderer. His story of the gun being fired harmlessly might have been believed, except for the fact that no bullet hole could be found anywhere inside the room. So Bob was found guilty, and the judge has just said, Well, there's no use wasting time. The jail's crowded anyways. We'll hold the hanging the first thing tomorrow morning. <laughs> tomorrow morning? Madre mia, they not waste the time in this town. But Bob is innocent. Some way, Pancho, we must find a way to prove it. But there's no time, amigo. Yeah, we make time. Come, Pancho. The sheriff is getting ready to take Bob back to the jail. We must hurry. Where we hurry to? Over by the door. And when we get there, you call me a name. Hey? A name, a name. Then I will hit you in the nose. Uh, must we do it this way? There is no time to think of another. Now. Cisco! You a big-headed burro with the heart of a coyote. Hey. You have the brains of a pack rat in the face of a roadrunner. You are a... Why, um... Come on and fight, you big fat you. Cisco, Pancho, not mad with you. So, you call me more names. Then take that. Come on, hit me, Pancho. See you, amigo, but you say so. Oh. Hey! Hey, you cut out that ball on you, too. Let the prisoner through. I pulled your nose off and throw it in your face. Cut it out now before I... Cisco, you hit the sherry. Bob, quick, out the side door. Come back here. Stop. They're getting away with the prisoner. Hey, clear out of the way. How can I shoot at him with all you folks in the way? Senor yeah, that's the one of the crass office right by the big tree. We're going to climb into the window, Cisco? No, Pancho. No? We look for that bullet out here. Uh-huh. You mean the bullet that was fired from my gun when I was fighting with Trash? See, si. it was not found in the walls of the room, and it must have gone outside the room. Was this window open at the time? I, I don't know. I think so. Maybe we're going to plow up the ground for the one little bullet, huh? If it went into the ground, there's not much hope to find it. But if it went into this tree... Sando, then we prove that Senor Bobby tell the truth. See, uh-huh. and maybe we get him free for good. Oh, mm-hmm. hey, that's a great idea, Cisco. If we are overheard, we lose the chance to prove you are innocent. Now, if the bullet came from inside the room, it would probably be about ten feet up on this side of the tree. Pancho, yeah? up the tree you go. Uh, Pancho look like a squirrel. Huh? Do not argue. Put your foot here in my hand. Bob, mm-hmm. you take the other foot. Mm-hmm. We boost him up. Yeah. Don't worry, Poncho. It's a lot tougher on us than it is on you. I bet you weigh a ton. Uh, first the hard work and then the insults. Oh, well. Full study now. Oh, we will. If you to fall, it smashes both. You go now. Come on. There you go. You find the bullet, Poncho? No. Look harder, Poncho. It's got to be there. Move me a little to the side. See? Stop. Please, it's better if you both go to the same side. Pancho don't like the foot so far apart. This way, Bob. How about the bullet? Must have missed the tree. Look harder, Pancho. There's no... Wait, 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 wait. Oh, you found it? Pancho not sure, but... Bueno, bueno. Who's there? It's the sheriff. Pancho knows you would drop him. What are you fellas doing over there? Who are you? If he comes this way, amigos, run. Each in a different direction. He can only follow one of us. I am telling you for the last time. Speak up. Now, run. Stop. Stop it up. Hold on there. I, I got you. Let me go. Take your hands off of me. Why, Bob Hilton. Don't move, Bob. I got you covered. Well, I guess we can go ahead with that little necktie party tomorrow morning. Just like we planned to. 
been waiting for you, Silk. Did you hear about him catching Bob Hilton again? Yes, yes, I did. He found that bullet of his, too, in the tree outside a trash window. Take it easy. That don't mean nothing. The sheriff claims Bob or some of his friends planted it there after the shooting to try and build up that story of his. But then they're, they're going ahead with the hanging? Why, sure they are, Silk. What are you so nervous about? Well, I, I just can't help thinking it might have been you or me. Cut that. Nobody's got a thing on us. From now on, you and me will run the Longhorn Saloon. And we'll make more money than Trask ever thought about. Him and his crazy ideas about keeping the place honest. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, Just yeah. wanted to make sure you wasn't losing your nerve. I thought a couple of times there on the witness stand you was gonna turn yellow. Yeah, yeah, me? Oh, yeah, fat chance, huh? I mean, this is as deep as you are, yeah? As long as you remember that, everything will be all right. Well, I'll be getting along. Want to get a good night's sleep so I can get up early in the morning to enjoy the hanging. You going? Yeah, no, 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 I... No, I don't want to see it. Yeah, shoot yourself. I wouldn't miss it for nothing. Night, Silk. Yeah, so long. Yeah. So you are. Uh-huh. Hey. Hey. What do you want? Where'd you come from? We hide behind the curtain here, senor. I thought we might hear something interesting in your room, hombre. And it seems I was right. You didn't hear anything. There wasn't anything to hear. The conversation between you and Lynch was very enlightening, hombre. Very was it you who killed Senor Trask or Lynch? It was him. I thought so. You would not have the nerve. You, know, you can't prove it. Nobody will believe you. Cisco. Yes, Senor. He's right. <laughs> we not can prove it. So why we not kill him to learn him a lesson? <laughs> and then we go get supper, huh? Uh, it's a good idea, Pancho. Hmm? But if we kill him, then there is nobody to tell the judge that Lynch did the murder. But he not tell anyway. Will you, Senor? Hey, no, you can't scare hey, me. You but... see, Cisco? <laughs> He not tell. There's no reason to let him live. See, you are right, Pancho. He's a great pity. The senor is a brave man. He will die to protect his friend. Hey, now, wait a minute. No, I no, salute no. your courage, senor. Pancho, uh, do you want to kill him or shall I? No, no, no. Maybe you we can make a shot, Cisco. Let Pancho try first. <laughs> and then you finish the job. But quick, Pancho's hungry. No, no, boys, no, As please. you say, Pancho. No, 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 hold on. Hold the senor. How can Pancho hit you when you shake this way? Now, she's... No, 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 wait, 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 wait. I'll talk. I'll tell the judge. It wasn't me. It was Lynch. That shot, where did he come from? Here, through the window. He's Lynch. He's getting away. Come on, Pancho. Come close with that shot. Master Pancho, the moon goes behind a cloud, we lose him. Santo Pancho, feel that one go by. Why didn't I shoot at you for a change, Cisco? I get him? No, no. Save the ammunition. My guns are empty. You have all the bullets. I, uh, what is the matter? Was Pancho's last shot, too? You mean we both have empty guns? See? And Pancho have an empty stomach, too. Yeah, right, Master. Uh, for what? You think he have a sandwich? Oh, no, but we must catch him. Ay, Pancho, there goes my sombrero. With the empty guns, do you want to catch a good shot like this? Pancho, look. Lynch's huh? horse is doubled. See, he's falling off. Quick, catch up before he can get up. Too late. Pick it up now. Oh, oh, oh. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Oh, hold up. Slow down, Keep Lobo. away or I'll plug you. Don't come no closer. I got a bead on you. But you forget, senor. We have our guns on you. Just go, do forget. Shh, get up, Pancho. We got no... Get up. Only you and I know that. He thinks our guns are loaded. 
If you want to keep on living, you'll throw them guns down. Oh, no, senor. We give you the chance. Throw your guns down and surrender, and we do not shoot you. You're bluffing. You know I can get one of you before you get me. Then call the bluff. I dare you to shoot. I and always he shoot at Pancho. Well, uh, I guess we're deadlocked. But I can wait it out just as long as you can. But sooner or later you get tired, senor. I give you one sporting chance. Yeah. See, we all throw our guns away. And you and I, we fight it out with our fists. See, it's a big bargain, senor. We throw away three guns, you only throw away one. Yeah, then it'll be two to one again, me. Oh, is that now, Lynch? But I give you my word, Pancho will not interfere. If you win, he will let you go free. For that, Pancho? Oh, see, si, see. Si. Pancho rather eat and chase you. It's ten hours and seven minutes in sober time. I proved it, you, senor. See, si, my gun. There, it go. All right. I'll take your word for it, Cisco. There's my gun. And there are mine. Now, get off that horse and fight. That is just what I want to do. <clears throat> Mister, this is the sorriest bargain you ever made. I'll mess up that handsome face of yours in about one minute. Starting now. <clears throat> Maybe we change the look of your face. Senor. <clears throat> ah, bravo, Cisco. Already you changed his nose. Uh, fighting's my business, hombre. Mother, me is business not so good, eh, senor? You want some more fight, amigo? Come on. Stand still and slug it out. See what you did for stand still, senor? Enough, Lynch? No. Then here is more. Uh, now, he lies still. Uh, get up. Get up or give up. What'd you do, huh? I, I got enough. I, I give up. Bueno. Pancho, get this on your horse. We must treat him with respect. From now on, he is a guest. A guest? See, si, a guest of the sheriff. Cisco, I, I guess it just ain't no way of thanking you for what you've done, but well, you know how I feel. Hungry? Quieto, Pancho. Say, Bob, I know. We do not talk of it anymore, huh? Well, I just can't forget that if it hadn't have been for you two, why, I'd have been the one they hung for killing Trask instead of Lynch. Lynch? <laughs> Was an unlucky name for that hombre, huh? Yeah. There's ever anything I can do for either one of us. For us, what? there is nothing. But there is something I wish you to do for yourself, Bob. Oh? Uh-huh. What you mean? The next time you feel like gambling, just change your mind. Eh? Oh, don't you worry. Close as I come to losing this ranch, well, that learned me better than to get mixed up in that stuff again. Bueno, now you got the ranch back again. Everything is fine for everybody. For you, Roberto. And for Cisco, maybe things is fine. But for Pancho... Uh... Oh, what is the matter with you, Pancho? You two talk so much, you forgot the most important thing. What you mean? When we eat. Oh, Pancho. Oh, Cisco. <laughs> <laughs> And so ends another exciting adventure with O. Henry's famous Robin Hood of the West, the Cisco Kid. (laughs) 
sure to listen again for another thrilling adventure of The Cisco Kid. Cisco Kid was played by Jack Mather, Concho by Harry Lang. Stay tuned for My Favorite Husband next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for a visit with Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband. Of course, we all remember her from her sitcoms, I Love Lucy, The Lucy Show, Here's Lucy, as well as the Lucy Desi Comedy Hour. Well, her career began in 1929 when she landed work as a model. Shortly thereafter, she began performing uh, on Broadway using the stage name Diane Belmont. She later appeared in several minor film roles in the 30s and 40s as a contract player for RKO Radio Pictures, being cast as a chorus girl or in similar roles. During this time, she met Cuban band leader Desi Arnaz, and the two eloped in November of 1940, and in the 50s, Ball ventured into television. She became the first woman to run a major television studio, Desilu Productions, which produced many popular television series, including Mission Impossible and Star Trek. Ball did not retire from acting completely, and in 1985 took a dramatic role in the television film Stone Pillow. The next year, she starred in Life with Lucy, which was unlike her other sitcoms and really not well-received. The show was canceled after three months. Tonight, we're going to hear her in the episode on My Favorite Husband of Liz and the General. We present My Favorite Husband, a new series based on Isabel Scott Rorick's gay, sophisticated Mr. and Mrs. Cougat, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. This is the story of Mr. and Mrs. Cougat, the record of a happy marriage. Well, as we look in on the Cougats this morning, the scene is familiar. Breakfast is being served in its usual manner. Liz and George are seated in their usual places. And the only sounds to be heard are the tick of the automatic toaster and the soft, cozy snap of George's cereal. But wait a minute. Can't you smell something burning? Is it the toast or the bacon or... Oh, I see. It's Liz doing a slow burn at George. Because, as usual, he has his nose buried in the morning paper. George, pay some attention to me. All right, Liz. Hmm, your hair is thinning out. Put down that paper. Why? That's not my head you're patting, it's a cantaloupe. Oh. <laughs> you're always so businesslike in the morning. Why don't we ever have the kind of breakfast we had when we were first married? Remember those? I certainly do. What do you remember most? The burned toast and the lumpy cereal. I tried to be a good cook. Yes, you did. You tried everything. You know, it was very smart of you to butter the toast with unguentine so it wouldn't burn. <laughs> All right. Maybe when we were first married, I couldn't cook. But you weren't handy around the house either. You couldn't even fix the lock on the bathroom door. Oh, Liz, that was ten years ago. Do you still remember that? Yes, every time I climbed through the window. Oh. <laughs> I'm ready to call a truce. And how about the time you rewired the house? Oh, now, don't bring that up. For two weeks, when you pushed the doorbell, the lights went on in the attic. Now, Liz. I ran upstairs so many times, I felt like a lighthouse keeper. Yes? 
I said truce. Now, how about a big early morning kiss? There's nothing I'd rather do. Mm-hmm. Come close to me. Close enough? No, real close. How's this? Swell. Now put your arms around me. Oh, George. <laughs> now scratch my back. George Cougar, if you don't kiss me right now, I'll come to breakfast tomorrow morning in curlers and a mud pack. I thought that would do it. Ah. <laughs> well, don't be silly. I'd kiss you anytime, anywhere, any place. <laughs> what are you giggling about? How about three o'clock in the YWCA steam room? Ah, <laughs> oh, it's a date. George, you know, maybe you shouldn't kiss me in front of the windows. The neighbors might see us. Who? The Chamberlains aren't home, and old General Timberlake is too nearsighted to see anything this far away. Not when he uses binoculars. General Timberlake, what a character. Oh, George, the general's just eccentric. He's a dear old man. Well, you didn't call him a dear old man the day you were having a garden party and he turned on the sprinklers. I don't care. I think he's sweet. I suppose he was sweet the day Katie was airing my raccoon coat and he shot it full of holes because he thought it was a bear. <laughs> well, he explained he didn't have on his glasses. Well, even without his glasses. How could he think a bear would have a Yale pennant in his pocket? <laughs> oh, now, dear, don't be so hard on him. You know, I've been worried about the general lately. He used to take long walks every day, and he hasn't been out of the house all week. I think I'll go over and visit him. Mm, you're really asking for it. He'll bore you to death with those stories of battles he claims he was in. Well, how do you know? Some of them may be true. Anyway, I think I'll go see if anything's wrong. Oh, that sounds like Cory Cartwright's horn. Well, I guess it's time to leave for the bank. George, every time Cory drives you to the bank in that car, I worry. Why? Because that car is built for parking, not driving. <laughs> it has reclining seats, indirect lighting, hot and cold running chorus girls. That isn't a car, it's a nightclub. Well, Cory does a lot of his entertaining there. Oh, he thinks he's such a Casanova. Oh, Cory's a lot of fun. Good morning, George and Liz. Good morning. Care for a lollipop, anybody? Where did you get a lollipop? I had a friend out for a date last night, and she left it in the car. <laughs> Corey, it's about time you went out with older girls. Oh, I do, Liz. I finally met the girl. I'm really in love. Her name is Daphne McCormick. Here's a picture of her. Hmm, not bad. Hmm. George, I told you not to read at breakfast. Isn't she a ravishing creature, though? Look at those lines, that color, the modern design, and all those extras, too. <laughs> Terrific, huh? Terrific. She's the reason good Sam turned bad. <laughs> hey, it's time we left for the bank. Oh, uh, honey, were you serious about going to see General Timberlake? Yes, I feel sorry for him. Well, all right, but I hope you don't regret it. Remember the last time you went over, you forgot to salute, and he threw you in the guardhouse. Well, if I'm not back in two days, send me a cake with a file in it. General. Tension! Oh, sorry. I forgot to salute. Annie, pull up a knapsack and take a load off your case on. <laughs> yes, 
Thank you, General. How have you been feeling? Oh, fine, thank you, Mr. Cougat. Fine, yeah. Ain't felt so good since the Battle of Bull Run. Now, there was a fracas. You know, I was the youngest officer there. General, you were in the Battle of Bull Run. That was 80 years ago, and you were only a baby. Yes, I was the youngest officer there. <laughs> General, are those some new medals you're wearing? I oh. don't believe I've ever seen that big gold one with the red, white, and blue lettering. Oh, that one. Well, that's a special medal uh, commemorating one of the greatest events in our country's history. Let me read the inscription. Well, uh... uh Jubilee sale, Sears and Roebuck. <laughs> <laughs> We've been worried about you, General. You haven't been taking your daily walks. Your leg isn't bothering you again, is it? Oh, no, no, Miss Cook. It only bothers me on the anniversary of the day I was wounded. Oh. You know, I was surrounded by a howling mob of enemy. They charged me from every side, but I stood them all off single-handed. What battle was that? Jubilee sale at Sears and Robot. <laughs> You know, I, I've really been concerned. I haven't seen you around for a couple of days. Is anything wrong? Oh, uh, well, now that you mention it, there is, Miss Cougat. Uh, I've been sort of keeping company, you know, with Winifred Higgins, the librarian, and... Uh, oh. Well, now, we had a quarrel, because, uh, well, I did a terrible thing, and Miss Higgins never forgive me. Well, what did you do? I kept a 14-day book 15 days. <laughs> Oh, that's too bad. You used to go to the library every night to study history, didn't you? Well, uh, frankly, Miss Cougat, uh, I wasn't studying history so much as I was studying Higgins. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know Miss Higgins. She's that gray-haired librarian, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. Don't let that gray hair fool you, though. She may be an old addition, but she's still got a beautiful table of contents. <laughs> Libraries are such romantic places. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's all over for me now. Oh, now, General, Miss Higgins won't stay mad if you go to her and apologize. No, no, I tried that, but didn't work. I'm a lonesome man, Miss Cougat. I ain't got nobody to talk to, nobody to talk to about my battles. <laughs> <laughs> Reckon how I'm just an old soldier's just been left behind. <laughs> General, you can talk to me if you like. I can? Any time at all. Well, how about this afternoon? Oh, well, well, that's, that's fine. Well, sound the trumpets. Sound the trumpets. I'll be right over after chow. All right, see you later, General. Uh, Miss Cougar? Yes, General? You may go to your quarters. Oh, aye, aye, sir. practice your salute, Katie. The general's coming over. Oh, it won't matter if I salute him or not, Mrs. Cougat. He never remembers who I am anyway. Oh, the other day I was sitting in the upstairs window mending Mr. Cougat's striped pajamas, and he hollered, Well, Barbara Fritchie! <laughs> what did you say? Well, I hollered back, Shoot if you must this old gray head, but spare Mr. Cougat's pajama bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I'll buy George's pajamas with 13 stars in the seat. Oh, the general's kind of cute. He reminds me of my first husband. Clarence was a fighter. He took part in hundreds of battles. Oh, with Pershing? No, with me. Oh. <laughs> now, Katie, was he really a military man? Well, he was wounded in combat. 
The enemy caught him sneaking through the lines late one night and ambushed him from behind. What happened? The enemy hit him with a rolling pin. <laughs> I'll get it, kid. He's probably the general. Oh, hello, general. Come in, won't you? General! Yes, sir. <clears throat> Salute him, Katie, or he won't come in. Oh, yes, ma'am. That is, that is, that is. I'll be out in the kitchen doing KP. <laughs> you care for some tea, General? Tea? Oh, no, thank you, ma'am. Never drink tea. Always reminds me of the Boston Tea Party. Now, there was a fracas. Uh, sure, the whole bay was filled with tea. British sailors was firing over our heads. The guns was blazing. The air was black with smoke. Well, sir, with my trusty bowie knife, I slipped over the side of an old four-rigger down General, the General, on... just a minute. Now, the Boston Tea Party was 175 years ago. Now, don't tell me you were there. No, no. But it sure makes a colorful story, don't it? <laughs> <laughs> What would you like to do this afternoon? Well, no, I thought we'd relive some of our American history. We'll recreate some of the big battles of the past. Now, the sofa there can be the fort. General, and, uh, couldn't we do something else a, a little quieter? Oh, well, all right, Miss Coogan, all right. I guess we could play checkers or something. Right? Well, that's all right, General, I promise. This is your afternoon. We'll do whatever you want. Good, good. Then let's begin by charging San Juan Hill. Mrs. Kugat, get yourself a big stick and glue on the mustache. You're going to be Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> now, Miss Kugat, this chair is General Lee, and I'm General Sherman. What am I going to be? You're the outskirts of Atlanta. <laughs> this ought to be fun. What do you do, get a match and set me on fire? No, no, Miss Cougat. You see, I use this umbrella here as my saber, and I charge past you like this. What was that? You caught your saber in the outskirts, and now there's a big hole in the south side of Atlanta. <laughs> oh, General, don't you think we fought enough battles today? Why, Miss Cougat, we're just beginning to take Bunker Hill. But my troop is starting to droop. <laughs> Well, we can't lag back now. You're in command on the north side, I'm in command on the south side, and the lamp is Bunker Hill. Now, I'm going to make a frontal attack. Oh, well, uh, I'm sorry, Miss Cougar. But what happened, Mrs. Cougart? Why are you just standing there staring at the lamp? Mrs. Cougart, say something. So long, Bunker Hill. You having a lot of fun, Miss Cougat? <laughs> oh, yes. I haven't had so much fun since I got caught in a folding bed. <laughs> well, now, sir, what battle should we do now? Say, General, I just had a good idea. Why don't we do the ride of Paul Revere? Ride of Paul Revere? Yes. Now, there was a fracas. General, you'll be Paul Revere. All uh, right, I will. Katie, oh, no. I didn't mind when he tied a message around my leg and made me a carrier pigeon. <laughs> but I'm not going to get down on all fours and be Paul Revere's horse. <laughs> no, no, you're the old North Church. But before you give the signal, open the front door. Paul's going to take a long ride. Yes, ma'am, I get it. Go ahead, North Church, give the signal. Paul, the British are coming! Yeah, the red 
boats are coming. Warn the countryside. Start riding, Paul. The British are coming. Well, here we go. Charge! The red coats are coming. Charge! General, that's the hall closet. Okay, okay. Sorry. But wake up. The British are coming. Charge! The red coats are coming. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's too bad. You had to be I can't help it, Katie. He was wearing me out. If he comes back, tell him Molly Pitcher deserted. Anybody home? Liz? Oh, good evening, George. Honey, what's the matter? The general was here all afternoon. Oh. I've been fighting battles all day. And I'm so tired, I can barely move my rear echelon. <laughs> oh, what did he do? Draft you? I tried to get rid of him once, but all he did was ride around the block and bivouac in the cellar. Liz, you're exaggerating. Now, where's Katie? Oh, you mean Pocahontas? She's upstairs, lying down. Oh. What happened to her? General Timberlake insisted she smoke a peace pipe with him, and now Pocahontas heaps sick Indian. <laughs> Well, I warned you about him. I know. It was a rugged day, but I'm still glad I did it. It cheered him up. He was lonesome because he'd had a fight with his girlfriend, Miss Higgins. My poor little tired papoose. <laughs> George, mm. how about giving the city of Atlanta a kiss? All right. Mmm. Gee, that was more like the whole state of Georgia. Mm. Kiss me again. Let's make this Alabama, Tennessee, and Virginia. Okay. Wow, the solid south. <laughs> Come on, sit on my lap, Scarlett O'Hara. All right. Hey, how do you happen to kiss so good? Oh, it's your inspiration. You're enough to make Mason throw away his Dixon. <laughs> Hold me tight, George. How's this? Tighter, tighter. Oh, but Liz... Go ahead, George. Pretend I'm a sack of walnuts and crack my shells. <laughs> Look, Nutty, move over a minute. You're crushing my carnation. George, you know, sometimes when I'm with you, I get the strangest ringing in my ears. There it is again. No, honey, that's the phone. Oh. Hello? Oh, yeah, uh, yes, General. Yes. Oh, oh, no, no, I couldn't possibly. You see, I... But we... Well, General, it's just that... Well, if you put it that way, General, all right. Goodbye. Well, Liz? That was my commanding officer. We march at dawn. <laughs> what do you mean? We're going to spend tomorrow at the museum, and we're taking somebody along with us. <laughs> I pity the poor devil who's going with you. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> it's you. Oh, no. No. I'm not going, and that's final. But, George, he wants you to go so much, and I promised you would. I'm sorry, Liz. I'm not going. George, he gave us a choice. If we don't go to the museum, he's coming over to reenact the burning of Rome, and he wants you to be Nero. <laughs> I surrender. What time does the museum open? You are listening to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. 
This is the story of Mr. and Mrs. Cougat, of Liz and George, and especially Liz, who made a gesture of friendship to their next-door neighbor, the general. A gesture that was a signal for a full-scale invasion. Well, the general is not only anxious to be friends, he seems to want to form a permanent military alliance. Well, Saturday morning, the general, Captain George, and Lieutenant Liz made an inspection tour of the museum. Well, Saturday afternoon, they all had target practice in the backyard. And now the captain and his first lieutenant are back in their own camp discussing strategy. <sighs> Where's the general now, Liz? He went home to get cleaned up. But he's coming back in half an hour, so you better fill the bathtub with ice cubes. Fill the bathtub with ice cubes? Why? He's going to demonstrate how Washington crossed the Delaware. <laughs> oh, Liz, I can't stand much more of this army life. Neither can I. On the last march around the museum, my feet felt like two blisters with shoes. Well, I've had enough. Oh, he's a nice old guy, but when he asked me to climb inside the barrel of that cannon, that was the last straw. He just wanted you to see if the powder was dry. Yeah, well, if it had been, when he lit that fuse, I'd have been real gone. George, I've got an idea. There's only one way to get rid of the general. We'll patch things up with Winifred Higgins. Yeah, how? Well, they say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. We'll have them both over for dinner. Yeah, I think you've got something there. Give them one ear of corn between them, and they're bound to get together. George. George, this is a terrible flop. The General and Miss Higgins aren't even speaking to each other. What'll we do? Well, keep trying, honey. Maybe they'll break down. All right, but, but help me, will you? Okay. <clears throat> oh, that was a delicious dinner, dear. Thank you, George. Yes, that was a wonderful dinner, Mrs. Cougat. Thank you, Miss Higgins. Yes, really, that was a real good mess, Sergeant. <laughs> well, this is nice. All of us being here together, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. Yes, three. <laughs> well, that was fun, wasn't it? Uh... Miss Higgins? Uh, yes? How's everything at the library? Yes, Miss Higgins. How is everything at the library? Oh, fine. That's nice. <laughs> People still reading as much as ever, I suppose? Yes. Uh, yes, they are. That's nice. Help me, George. All right. Uh, <clears throat> Miss Higgins? Uh, yes, Mr. Cougat? Uh, read any good books lately? <laughs> Say, um, Miss Cougat... Did I ever tell you about the War of 1812? Yes, you did. Hmm. Say, Mr. Cougat, did I ever tell you about the War of 1812? Yes, you did. Hmm. Say... Yes, that... you did. <laughs> General, there's a moon out tonight, and there's a swing on the porch. Isn't there somebody you'd like to take out there? Well, no... Yes, there is. Well, then. But what'll Mr. Cougat and Miss Higgins do whilst we're gone? General, I meant Miss Higgins. Oh, no, no, Miss Cougat. I'd much rather talk to you. Oh, please, General. <laughs> you remember the fun we had yesterday when I charged and ripped your skirt? <laughs> well, please, General. And then we knocked over Bunker Hill and spent an hour together in the dark? <laughs> well... <laughs> General, the next thing you'll be telling them how we took Fort Sumter and got locked in the closet. Well! Well! Now, wait a minute, please. George, say something. Yeah. Hi, Liz. Uh, 
Mrs. Kruger, it's very sweet of you trying to patch things up with a certain party who mutilates books in the public library. But I just don't want to patch things up with a certain party who always has to eat and read at the same time. Well, I like to eat whilst I'm reading. Yes. But how does it look when you open a history book and find the pilgrim setting foot on a piece of salami? <laughs> now, Miss Higgins... And I... the other day, a little boy wanted to know why the Constitution was written on a fried egg. <laughs> Imagine leaving food in a book. Leave it? I put it there. Them was bookmarks. Learn <laughs> yourself. George, you'd better say something. Uh, read any good salami lately? <laughs> General, you know perfectly well you want to be friends with Miss Higgins again. No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't need Miss Higgins now that I've found you. You're my new aide-de-camp. You can bring your duffel bag to my headquarters any day. General, please, you don't understand. My duffel belongs to George. I don't care, Mr. <laughs> I don't care. You may be assigned to another battalion, but I can get you transferred for active duty. <laughs> If you don't mind, I think I'll go home. Uh, thank you for the dinner. Thanks for everything. Oh, I've had a wonderful time. <laughs> now, General, aren't you ashamed of yourself? You've made her cry. Well... Didn't expect her to do that. I tried to get you two together, and what do you do? You ruin it. Now, Liz, it isn't all the general's fault. Don't forget it was your idea. Well, I might have known this would happen. Just when the battle's going against me, my own captain looks me in the face and shoots me in the back. Liz, you can smile now. The general's gone. Oh, George, when it comes to messing things up, I can outmess anybody in the whole world. Well, you only get in these messes because you're so generous and try to help people out. Oh, George, now the general wants me for his aide de camp. Oh, honey, the general's unpredictable. He probably won't visit us again for days. You think so? I know so. Attention! George, salute with both hands. I can't get up. As you were, as you were. Just came over to thank you. For your courageous and unselfish service to a comrade in arms. General, the only comrade in my arms is going to be George Cougat. It's in our contract. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, Miss Cougat, don't you worry about me. Miss Higgins and I finally made up. Yeah, we're as close as Kaiser and Fraser. <laughs> Miss... <laughs> Miss Higgins uh, isn't mad at you anymore. No, no. She was waiting for me by the hydrangea bush. <laughs> And she said I could take books out just so long I kept mustard off my bookmarks. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. The end of a perfect day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, now there's uh, just one thing that kind of worries me. What's that? Miss Cougat, uh, I was uh, using my charms on you for selfish reasons. And uh, if it turns your head, I'm, well, I'm sorry. I was just trying to make Miss Higgins jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Why, General. General, you're uh, kind of a wolf. Yeah. With my hair, I'm more of a silver fox, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, well, <clears throat> guess I better be getting back to the library. 
But, um, say, before I go, did I ever tell you about the Spanish-American War? Now, there was a fracas. We was down in the Philippines, see, and was hard to... General, and... General. Yeah? Now, come on, confess. You weren't really in the Spanish-American War, were you? <laughs> well, you know something, Miss Cougat? I really was. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> never want to live through two days like this again. It was kind of hectic, wasn't it? It reminds me of our honeymoon. Our honeymoon. Now there was a fracas. <laughs> Asleep, George? No. Thinking of something? Yes. What? Sleeping. George, it's stuffy in here. One of us forgot to open the window. Yeah, one of us forgot to open the window. Mm. One of us ought to get up and do it. Yeah, one of us ought to get up and do it. Well, somebody's got to do it. What are you waiting for? A burglar. Oh, George, please. All right. Now the window's stuck. I can't raise it. That's funny. There is a burglar. He's looking in the window and he's wearing striped pajamas. George, you're trying to raise the mirror. (laughs) I I thought he was a pretty good-looking burglar. Oh, come back over here and kiss me. Okay. But I kissed you last night and got my ear caught in a curler. I'm not wearing curlers tonight. Hmm? What are you wearing? Pajamas. They're warmer. Well, here's your good night kiss. Mm. Oh, George, I'm lucky to be married to you. Why? Because if I weren't, I'd get in a lot of trouble sneaking over here every night for a kiss. Good night, George. favorite husband has been presented through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's a Damon Runyon story, followed by Phil Harris and Alice Fay. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.